0: but we're helping individuals transform their deepest pain into their greatest growth so that they can have a life of freedom. If you're new to the show, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so glad to have you. So on today's show, I have an amazing guest that I would like to introduce you to. She's my teacher, she's my mentor, and she's my coach. And she knows what it feels like to lose someone dear to you. She knows what grief feels like. So welcome, 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 Aurea. So glad you're here.
1: Hi, Diana. Nice to be here. Anything for you? I'm so honored to be a part of your podcast. And congratulations to you for all of this and all the people you're going to serve and help.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So as I said earlier, you know a lot about loss and grief. So share with our listeners, maybe one of your most painful losses. Where do I start? Where do you start? Yeah, start with the one that's pity patting on your heart right now.
1: Well, I've had several losses, Diana, as you know. Uh, I did lose my dad when I was 15 years old. He was brutally murdered by what we think was the mafia. He was an attorney and investment banker and all that good stuff. And somebody gunned him down and we don't still know why it's an unsolved mystery, but to go from multimillionaire to flat broke overnight, losing your dad on his birthday, my parents were already divorced, so he wasn't living at home, but it's still traumatic when that happens. But I have to say, Diana, there was nothing more traumatic for me. And I've spoken to you about this before than the loss of my mother. When my mother died from cancer my heart felt like there was a knife in it. I mean, like literally the pain I felt was so horrific. She was my best friend. She was everything to me. And she died at 59 right before her 60th birthday. And I was in my 30s at the time. And I just remember it was two years before I could even think about her without hysterically crying in horrific grief. I didn't think I'd ever get over that. And that was the moment I told God, I said, I know you never allow anything to happen to us more than we can handle. But that one, Lord, you're pushing me. That one, I really didn't think I would be strong enough to get over. But come to find out we are, we are stronger than we know we are. But a
0: loss of a true loved one is really, really difficult. Yeah, the loss of parents. And you already know, and I think most of my listeners know that that is also my story. But I, when I, the first time I heard you say this phrase, it felt like a knife in my heart. Share with our listeners what exactly that means. Describe how you were showing up in the world. How did you really feel that knife felt? How did it feel?
1: Well actually I was at the time um I had just gotten divorced so I had escaped domestic violence I was a single mom my little girl at the time was like 5 years old and my mom helped me get through all of that she was my right arm my best friend and her husband my stepdad they just everything to me and we didn't get a lot of notice that she was going to die I got a phone call from my stepdad said she has you know 3 weeks to live she has liver and lung cancer And that hit me hard. She did live five months, which was a lot longer than they thought she was going to live. And then I I went into denial first. And I know you're a grief counselor, so you understand the different levels. I don't really. I just live through them. But that first one is real, that denial. They're really not gone. It's really, you know, you don't, it doesn't process when it's that traumatic. And I work with people in my community because I deal with a lot of nonprofits helping them. And I've dealt with parents that have lost a child. I think that is so horrific as well, to lose a child. We expect to lose our parents, not early, but not your children. So that that denial, I'm like, this hasn't happened. I'm in shock. You probably would tell us we're probably in shock. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't physical pain. I really felt it. Like I thought my chest was going to open up and I would cry hysterically. And I thought that would never, and I could never imagine remembering her and not feeling such pain. But my boyfriend, who's now my husband for 25 years, was yeah. smart enough to say, you know, trust me, time will heal that. And there will come a time you'll be able to remember her and laugh and not cry. You know, laugh at the fun times and really feel. And I at the time I was like, nope, no way, I can't. I was in such horrific pain. But he was right. Time did heal. And everybody's time frame will be different. Mine took about two years before I just. I was able to come up for breath. I mean, I couldn't even work. I couldn't function. I could care less about anything to do with my business. It was like the whole world just came to a crashing halt. Mm. And I had to get through that part. And I'm sure everybody will take a different amount of time to get through something, whether it's a loss of a child or a loved one or a spouse or, you know, somebody special. So Dan, I'd ask you, what is the, you know, what is that time frame? You know, is it what is what I went through normal or is that yeah. different or odd? Tell no, me. I'm,
0: I'm so glad you asked that question, because you just said two very, you made two very important points. And one was there, you never said stages. You say you went through levels. And that tells me that you know a lot about Kubla Ross' work, because she designed these stages around death, and the community, society misunderstood what she was saying. And people tend to say that there are stages of grieving. There are no stages because we go through different things. You know, It, it may be uh, deny. It may be acceptance. It may be, as you said, you cried a lot. So that was one very good point that you made. You didn't say I went through stages of grief. You said levels of grief. And, and your first level was deny Shock
1: and denial. I didn't
0: believe it. happened too fast. Both of them happened
1: really fast. Dad being murdered. I mean, it was just like, okay, dad's not coming home. With this with my mom, three weeks to live and five months, she's gone. It's like, it's just like that whirlwind of shock. Like, wait a minute. And my body just didn't adjust that quick.
0: Right. And as you know, I lost my brother like three weeks ago. And the first response for me was numbness, totally numbness. So we all go through different things. I was not in denials. I accepted he, he just, you know, he was no longer with us in the physical body anyway, but I was numb for a few days. So your question was: what is the time frame for healing? So you probably don't know this, but I partnered with the Grief Recovery Institute. And they are a research center, been around for years and years, everything is scientific based. And one of the myths that they say that we carry with us is that time heals all wounds. Now, according to the Grief Recovery Institute, that is a myth. Time doesn't heal. With time, the pain lessens. It doesn't heal. The pain lessens. And with that time, we begin to move from the, the grief and the pain and the crying, the upset, the worry, the fear. Whatever companions come up for us individually, we tend to move from that and we go back into those fond memories. You We talked about how you begin to love, And be present with those fun memories with your mom. So you begin to love the memories and the love you had for her more than you love the pain. So, yeah, time does not heal the wound. Time lessens the pain. I love that. So there's no time frame. There's no time frame.
1: Well, that's great to know, because I'm sure everybody does have different It also depends on, I think, I guess, the the level of love you have for the person you lost. Like some people, you know, you're going to lose somebody that, you know, maybe more of a distant relative or friend. But when you lose those clothes, like you lost your brother, I lost my mom, I lost my my dad. You know, it definitely was different. I lost my dad who was. Already estranged from our home. I didn't see him that often. He was divorced from my mom and he just, you know, provided the income for us until he died. But my mom was by my side since the day I was born. And that was like taking away, it was taking away my best friend. And that was tough.
0: Yeah. So real, were there other when you were going through the pain around losing your mom, were there any other, say, childhood experiences that prolong the pain or cause you to move into complicated grief. Now we don't measure two years for you was what you needed. Uh, Someone else, it may have been six months. Were there anything that you can recall that sort of kept you spiraling into the pain?
1: I think the worst part was I had just escaped domestic violence. In order to escape domestic violence, it was because my mom rescued me. My mom was the, the catalyst to finding out what I was denying, really digging into me. Are you sure you're okay? And me in denial. Oh, I'm fine, mom. I'm fine. Are you sure you're happy? Oh, yes, I'm happy. I'm happy. And she dug so deep that finally I was able to confide in her. And finally, the whole thing hit the fan. And I was able to get the 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 strength I needed to escape domestic violence. And she was with me every step of the way. And so was my stepfather. She lived in New York City and I lived in Florida. She came down and lived with me for a month. And my stepdad was perfectly fine with, you know, sacrificing her to be with me, went through the entire divorce with her by my side as my strength and my pillar. And I was stalked for a long time. It was not an easy divorce by any means. It was stalking. It was, he didn't want to let go. It was, I was his property. It was just horrific and I had a little girl at the time and she was now a grown adult so I'm I'm with a five-year-old as a single mom so my mom got me through all that and just as things started to calm down after that year of just horror then my dad called my mom goes home and it wasn't long after my dad called stepdad calls me and says your mom's gonna die so I was like one thing on top of the other and that was like Nope, nope, Lord. Sorry, you cannot take my mom from me. This is not going to happen. She's going to be fine. She actually had cancer 10 years before that. It was yeah. Hodgkin's and she was fine and cured. But this one was liver lung cancer because she was a smoker all- since she was in her 20s. And this one, those doctors knew that she wasn't going to make it. And this is back in the early 90s when there wasn't as much as we have today for even lung cancer and smokers. Wow. So uh, I just went to Danaya. So did she beat it once? She'll beat it again. And, but we just come out of that that being together. And my stepdad at that moment, too, after my divorce, had just legally adopted me as an adult. And I took his last name because my mom said, You don't want to keep that old, that divorced name, you need a new name. And, and my dad, my stepdad, wanted to legally adopt me as a grown up. So much fun. And we did, and we just went through all of this bonding. For her to leave after that, was just like, no, no, I didn't want the happiness to end. So that's why another reason probably it hit me so hard. Because all that had just happened. I was still freshly wounded from being single. And now she leaves. So I really felt alone because I was in Florida alone. And, and I, you know, we don't have a big family. I didn't have any family down there. And it was just, we really felt alone. It was so hard. Really, wow. it was hard. And I just would work and be with my, my little girl at the time. But it was tough.
0: So you just said a lot. Yeah, no. <laughs> I like that. You lost your rock. Mm -hmm. You lost your mother, who was really your protector at the time that you were also going through a loss of freedom, a loss of your voice, and you maybe rippled with fear because you were being stopped. That is a lot. But you also said in your comment that when mom asks you, how am I doing? And you would always say, fine. I'm so glad you said that because I live my life like that. Mm -hmm. And what we, the acronym for fine is Feelings inside never expressed. Ooh, I like that, Diana. Say that again. I've spent decades of my life stuffing and swallowing the pain when people would ask me, how are you doing, Diana? Oh, I'm fine. And what does it mean again? Fine means what? Feelings inside never expressed. I love that. Yeah. How true is that? Yeah. So separation and loneliness, you're just really, really good. You're taking me right to the next question I want to ask you. Okay. <laughs> so I know, in fact, I just did a podcast that talks about the wounds of separation and isolation. And of course, we know COVID just spent us, mm-hmm. sent us right into that moment of being isolated and disconnected. And the fact that we were kind of forced to go inside made it all the worse. Oh, we really were forced. So, but even before COVID, if we are honest with ourselves, we were separated and lonely before the pandemic. So describe to our listeners what it felt like for you to be in that space, that period of loneliness having lost your mom, just come out of domestic violence situation. Share with us a little more about that. Well, it was really hard on me
1: because I am such a people person and golden retriever. And I I love people. You know, I was a professional white face clown. I was in the theater. I was doing direct sales at the time. And I just love people. And I've never been one to be alone. I've never been one to love my alone time. Not me. My favorite thing to do to de-stress is be on a stage with a thousand people. I did musical comedies. I did soap operas. I was always on the stage. I was always, I was doing parades and roller skating and, in telethons and just give me around people. Cause that's where I'm the happiest. I get the best sleep when my house is the noisiest knowing there's people around me. So that was, Probably the worst for me because I don't like alone time. I don't like quiet time. I don't like yoga. I mean, just don't get me started on anything that's calm and peaceful on trying. That is not me. Get me out. Let me go to the zoo. Let me pet my animals. Let me be around people. That's my joy. So to be like all of a sudden divorced, single mom, my little girl was little at the time. Now she's an adult and a great friend and great, we're definitely great confidants now, but she was little, so I had to care for her. So that was all gone. Then my mom was gone. And my stepdad lived in New York City. I just started dating Brian, who's my now husband of 25 years. Yes. But was still new; I'd only known him three months. So we weren't together all the time. But just like there was many nights where I was home alone and hated it. I cannot express how horrific it was for me to be home alone in a quiet house. That's my if hell is hell. You know, it doesn't even have to be fire and brimstone for me. To be alone and quiet, that was hell for me. Absolutely hated it. You know, at that time, I didn't have a dog. I didn't have pets. I didn't have anything around me. just me and my little girl and barely making it financially. The more I worked, the more I needed daycare or the more I needed a babysitter. They didn't have daycare even back in the early 90s. But she was old enough to be in school. But what about when I went out to work? What about, you know, because I would work in restaurants. I would work in a bartending, cocktail waitress. I worked in a dating club. I ended up being a matchmaker and I was a wonderful matchmaker and they needed me weekends. They needed me to work till eight o'clock at night. You know, it was hard. So my key to getting through is finding support, finally finding help. I got a Brian and I became closer after this. So we became more friends. We became more involved with each other. And and that support, where he would bring over a Christmas tree for my daughter or say, I'll watch her while you do this. We became more of a team. But that was a little bit more slow going. But it did happen after like maybe six to eight months, we became closer So my advice to people is don't go it alone. Find somebody who can team up with and be with. And this was before social media. So I didn't even have social media to hang on to. I didn't even have, you know, a Facebook group of a community of other women going through this. We were pretty much alone back in the 90s. You know, Uh, I know there was um, like safe havens and safe places to go to, but there was no Google. We couldn't Google them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were really just kind of out there. So now I could not imagine going through the quarantine we just went through back in the 90s or the 80s or the 70s without the social media right. because social media saved most of us that we could get on a zoom call we could t- continue working we can now get on a clubhouse we can we can communicate with the world right from our home right that was not even an idea back in the 90s you were alone you were alone So don't go it alone now. Now there's so much support, so many groups, so many great people like you, Diana, that are helping, that are there to help. So my biggest takeaway is reach out, don't be alone and don't say you're fine when you're not. Tell somebody that you trust that you're not fine because it's okay not to be fine, but you're Mm. not gonna get help until you say, hey, I'm not okay. Especially after this quarantine, if they're saying, how you doing? If you're not okay, let the right person know
0: that you're not okay. The one that can maybe help you. Well, thank you for dropping those gems, those (laughs) tips. I'm remembering when you and I were on a call, it was right after my brother died, you reminded me to just do, take care of yourself. So self-care and grief, those two really go together. So now we didn't get a chance, I didn't mention it at the beginning of the show, but we have to talk about, in the process of all this happening, you just kind of alluded to you, you were on soap operas and. Yeah, let's just tell our audience that you are Emmy Award winning TV show host. So that's all in your personality. That's what you do. I understand if you were in lockdown, you were probably crawling up the wall. <laughs> Again, thank God for social media
1: and thank God for Zoom. So I've been OK. I could not imagine this in the 90s. But I, I'm glad you touched on the Emmy because the Emmy you see back here is the Emmy for all especially women. That's my little girl dream coming true, but not as you might think. This came after I married my then boyfriend, Brian, who we ended up getting married and three years after our, our getting into our marriage. And remember, I just experienced my mom dying. My brother ended up getting cancer our second year of marriage and he survived. He was good, but I kept thinking cancer and death because that's what I related it to. But my brother got Hodgkin's and he was fine. But just as he was coming out of his I get diagnosed in 1999 with cancer and it ended up being non-Hodgkins. Now I'm telling you this for a reason because now we'll probably have to finish up, but they ended up taking out half of both my lungs, my thymus gland, the lining around my heart. They disconnected half my diaphragm and they took out the left vocal cord nerve to my the left nerve to my vocal cord and they told me I'd never speak again above a faint whisper. It would be impossible but I would fast forward. I went on after that. I promised God I would use my voice for good things. Either he was going to give me my voice back to live my life. Cause I was in sales. I was in, you know what I was doing? I was teaching and, and doing everything that I did it all had to do with my speaking. And so, okay, Lord, you're either going to show me how to live my life with my voice. And you're going to give it back to me. And you don't need my vocal cord to do that. So I'll wait for unexpected miracle or there's people that have it a whole lot worse. And mm-hmm. I'll show me how to live my life without a voice and we'll do this together. It's okay because I was alive and I was curable and I had a good attitude. It's all right. I'd rather be me than a child. And I'll make it. I'll learn sign language. I'll do whatever I have to do. But he chose to give it back to me slowly but surely. It is marked as a miracle because there's no vocal cord nerve in there. It's disconnected. It's taken out. It can't come back. It can't grow back together. But I won this Emmy when I was 48, so 10 years later almost, for having a TV talk show that I created to tell good stories about nonprofits, making this world a better place. It was after 9-11, and I still believe there was more good people in this world than bad people being, you know, blowing up people and and just doing the horrific horrific things. So when I won this Emmy for having a talk show without a vocal cord nerve at 48 years old, most of us women think it's too late after 40, our dreams are gone, you know, we're too old. I'm here to say you're not. So whatever your dream is, whatever you know that you're meant to do, you are never too old. Look at Betty White. She's 99 years old. She's hugging grizzly bears. She still was doing TV, hosting Saturday Night Live. I mean, come on. The world has changed. You are never too old to reach back into what your little girl, little boy dreams were and get into the industry, get into the world you want. Maybe we're too old to be a prima ballerina. But you're not too old to be in the industry. You're not right. too old to mentor. You're not too old to open up your own studio. You're not too old to do something in that world that you want to be. And if nothing else, coronavirus and the pandemic woke us up that we don't know what our last day is. We lost over we lost over half a million people. And
0: we don't and know so when our last day is. Can you imagine how many people are grieving if we lost that many people their family members their friends and colleagues of those so it's millions and millions that are grieving so let me you have your work cut out for you diana because a lot of people that that need help For sure. And they should get help.
1: You should reach out to a counselor for that because most a lot of families didn't just lose one person. A lot of people lost both parents or several cousins and family members. Some families were really hit hard with losing a lot. And then they couldn't be with them when they died. They couldn't give them a funeral. I mean, Diana, your work is cut out for you because all the unclosures that people must have would be just devastating.
0: Yeah. I like that. Unclosure. People do not have. Is that a word? With <laughs> Unclosure. A, I don't know if that's a word, but we word make it up as we go. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? It's okay.
1: Exactly. So it's bad enough losing people, but I know people couldn't, couldn't have a funeral. People couldn't pay last respects. They know that people had to die alone in a nursing home or somewhere. I mean, how horrific. So thank God for people like you, Diana, that are there to help hold the hands of those who at least reach out. So my, my plight to everybody listening is please reach out. You're not grieving alone. You are not alone. And there's people that want to help you get through it as horrific as it is. And it is horrific and it hurts. Reach out to Diana, or the Dianas of the world near you to get help. Yeah. Whatever that looks like, get help. And there's free help out there as well.
0: I agree. So what did it really look like when you were growing the name of the podcast? No point intended, right? When you were growing through the grief and share with our listeners, what was one thing that took you the longest to learn? Hmm what a good question. The longest
1: I'm still learning <laughs> school is never out for the pro that is for sure. Yes. And I wish we would just go through one thing in our life and then we're done. Good. Okay. Check that box. No more trauma, no more loss. But unfortunately, you know, life goes on and you're either, you know, starting an obstacle in the middle of an obstacle, coming out of an obstacle and going through another obstacle. So what I learn is you have to have ongoing resilience what gets me through everything is my faith. I just know that, you know, God has me in his hands and that if I'm going through it, I can handle it no matter how hard it might be. So um, I just, I'm an ongoing student. I'm just ongoing, okay, today, Lord, you know, what what do you got for me? What do we need to do today? How can I help? And I love helping people. So my mind is never, me focus is always, what can I do for somebody today? How can I make somebody else's life better today? Just Mm -hmm. the way I function, so uh, the longest thing to learn is just that life is day by day. And I want to live it to its fullest every single day. Because I truly am aware of the fact that I don't know when my last breath will be. I don't know when my loved one's last breath will be. No, none of us are guaranteed because I had such loss at early age. My dad, my mom, I went through cancer. My almost lost my brother. Yeah. So I know that it's not borrowed time, but it's precious time. That so what can you're I do?
0: Growing today? through grief was... An act of service. You began to just serve and be a servant. Oh, yes. I promised
1: God. I said, if I'm going through this, I want to make it out the other end so I can reach back and help others go through it. Because who can help people go through domestic violence but somebody that's been through it? You really can can talk about it all day long, but if you haven't been through it, you really can't help me. And I can't help other people that have lost a child. They need to go to a parent that has lost a child to be able to understand that level of grief and what that feels like. So it takes a long time to get through things unless you find people that have been through what you've been through because you're not alone. There's somebody's been through exactly what you've been through, and they can help you through that. So I always just ask God, say, you know, Lord, just help me through this, so I can help somebody else go through it down the road.
0: Yeah. So the other part of that statement, that question was, what was one thing that you had to keep repeating and repeating until you finally got the lesson? Oh my gosh. Well, let me share what it was for me. Maybe yeah, that I do kind of give you. There was a point when I decided that I was breaking up with grief. Mm, And when it came to my mother, it was, I realized I was repeating the same thoughts, the same feelings, the same stuff over and over and over, not judging myself. But then there came a moment when I realized this is not where I want the space I would like to be with mom. And I decided grief, you and I are done. We're breaking up. <laughs> okay. We're done. So, and what that really means is, I begin to explore other ways to deal with missing, wanting, and having that longing for my mom. And for me, it's been decades, mm-hmm. but you never, you never forget. You mm-hmm. never stop wanting your mother. You know, that's your role model. That's the woman who did, to teach you how to be a woman. Uh, to help you pick your husband to help you take care of your babies Uh, so you just never forget but I just decided it's time to reframe my story and I broke up with it that's awesome what about you? anything come to mind? Well, it's funny because I don't think I've had one
1: lesson I had to keep repeating. And I think the beauty of, I've lost my mom, but what got me out of it is the miracle of my my oldest daughter, Angel, is so much like my mom. She grew up to be the mom role that my mom was. She is, she's fashion coordinated. She's She's savvy. She's smart. She, she shops for me. I can't shop. I need girl animals to put an outfit together. She's got that gene that my mom had. She can put together an outfit. She can put together a room. She's got shopping savvy. All those things that my mom was to me, you know, she was the, the Tiffany person, the, the one that, that had all the clothes. She used to be a model and all that. My daughter got all those genes that I leaned on my mom for. So now it's like, now that she's grown up, she's got all those, those great qualities my mom had. I mean, she can get a good deal, but she gets good quality just all those really kind of fun quirky things that was my mom my older daughter has all that yeah so it's a really neat relationship because of that now my younger daughter has some too which is so neat very smart very wise so I'm surrounded by my two girls that are that have taken on that torch of my mom so that is, it's been a huge help for sure, really has. That's and I wish you. they both had met her, but now it's fun. Now it definitely is fun to talk about my mom. And I talk about her all the time. Both of them know when they're doing something, reminds me of her. I say, that is so much like mommy too. I said, oh my gosh, you're just like mommy too. And they know it. <laughs> so they feel like they've known her all their lives because I've talked about her every day of our, of our lives.
0: Mm, you get to experience your mom through your girls. Oh yes, definitely. Beautiful. So we're, I'm having so much fun with you. I actually lost track of <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> I I can imagine it's probably close to us wrapping up. But I would like to ask you one major question. What are you up to now? And how are you serving the world? And that, this is three questions in one. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Did any of your losses propel you to do what you're doing now? Absolutely.
1: Um, when I went through all the cancer and all of that ordeal that we just spent this time talking about, that's when I promised God that I would use my voice to be the voice of good news and spotlighting good people. So it took me from being an actress. Playing roles and wanting to win the Oscar for being in a doing a role that somebody chooses me to do, to being the talk show host, the person that spotlights good people doing good things, being a Raya McGarry showing good news of real people that are making this world a better place. Because it's like Mm -hmm. kicking cancer in the in the in the butt. That yeah, there's cancer in the world. There's terrorists. There's people murdering. But I know that's not the whole world. There's so much more goodness. So it it catapulted me into doing my my Live Your Legacy Summit that honors nonprofits and who they are. And it helps business owners like yourself, Diana, become more successful, more profitable so they can give back to nonprofits. Mm -hmm. So it made me so much more of a philanthropist, so much more of a, I want to help nonprofits. And I promise God that I want to help as many nonprofits before I die as I possibly can because they just became my heroes, uh, not just for domestic violence and cancer, but for, you know, helping the vets and helping our kids and stopping, you know, human trafficking. I just, it just like engulfed me after that 1999 experience. And I just, I wanted more good in this world. I wanted to show that there was, and that's why I do to this day. I help entrepreneurs and women, of course, in business, earn more, so they can live more, so they can give back more. That's my goal. And I keep my my shows going. I keep my success talk going so I can keep on spotlighting good people doing good things. But I have my coaching as well, my Celebritize Your Business and Profit From Being You to help those small businesses make more money because there's no shame in wanting to make more money and making more money so you can help people that need help, whether it's a neighbor that needs to escape domestic violence or whether it's somebody that's homeless or whether it's a nonprofit you want to give to If you don't have the money to do it, then you can't help like you want to help. So on one side of me, I'm helping small business owners make more money. On the other side, helping nonprofits get the spotlight and letting more people know who they are so they can help.
0: That makes sense. So I'm busy and I love it It because I, too, have the business coaching to the heart. But I also have a nonprofit, Holistic Springs, that I leverage the money from the business to support the nonprofit because a lot of people cannot afford my services. So yeah. have both of those structures is it's a beautiful thing. It's a very Absolutely. beautiful thing. So when you said Live Your Legacy Summit, I, I love that. I love that. I'm all about building legacy mm-hmm. around, while I also honor my mother. So beautiful, beautiful. So what is there any one last thing you would like to share with our listeners before we wrap it up?
1: Absolutely. I always want to let people know if there was any ears, length of, of my voice, to know that whatever you're going through, you're definitely not alone, and you're definitely not the first one to go through it. And I, in this day and age, when the internet can be used for wonderful things, reach out whether you need to reach out to a stranger even if you're the only person in your life and you absolutely have no one you can reach out to somebody like diana you can reach out to a nonprofit that does exactly what you're going through whether it's domestic violence or or rape or homelessness whatever there is a nonprofit or somebody out there if you google it that can help you so first step don't stay alone reach out for help reach out for a friend if you don't have a friend Again, get into a nonprofit, get to your pastor, your rabbi, your priest, whoever, to get counsel and to be able to open up because it'd be a very hard thing to go through this life all alone. And sometimes you can be surrounded by people and still be all alone. So reach out to somebody that, you know, is going to understand what you're going through or what you've been through, whether that's, like I said, whether it's spiritually or whether it's a nonprofit that knows how to handle the grief you may be going through, because it might not be all the people around you. Nobody around you may understand anything you're going through because you're going through something alone. So find somebody that, you know, you can get counsel from because it's so important.
0: Very, very good advice. So how can our listeners get in touch with you? And when we promote this, of course, I'm going to make sure all of your information is out there. But if you want to share one uh, format that your listeners can contact you immediately after hearing this podcast, what would it be? Oh my goodness, I would
1: do. It used to be my website, but now it's not. I would say the best place to get a hold of me is through Instagram, Araya McGarry Productions. And you can DM me there because that's where I've really been active because I do a lot on Clubhouse now. And I really give up my expertise on Clubhouse, which is just under Araya McGarry. So find me at Araya McGarry, but Araya McGarry Productions on Instagram, DM me, find me there, and I can lead you to you know resources that I have or programs that I have. And even nonprofits that I know that may be able to help you. I do a lot of that- just absolutely free as my gift to the world. Okay. So I would okay. say
0: do that. Yes. Yes. Aurel, thank you for sharing with us. Well, thank you. Yeah, all you do, Diana. Thank you for all that you do. Yes. yes. You. I love what I do. I love what I do. So I just so appreciate you for coming on the Growing Through Grief podcast And I also want to remind our listeners, uh, you've said it more than once, and I'm just going to say it one more time. If you are listening to this podcast and you have experienced a significant loss and you're feeling lonely and isolated and separated from the world, don't go it alone. Healing happens in community. And I am so grateful that you're listening and you have joined our community So thank you for listening and I hope to see you next week. In the meantime, keep on growing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Growing Through Grief and being part of this loving community of women. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share and spread the word. Let's help all women become richer and more nourished in their heart so that they're able to just keep on rising. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas, or you would like to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at coachingtotheheart.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep on growing.